abagogi. Pronounced abagogi. The Storytellers, a podcast series to educate, to inform, to inspire, and to create a perspective of change. Here at Abagogi, we become the storytellers, the storytellers accounting the stories of African women. Abagogi is a podcast that is brought to you by the American Embassy and Womanomics Africa. Abagogi is recorded at the American Corner in the podcast room at the Eskia Mpahlele Library at Sami Mark Square in Pretoria. The American Corner is a partnership between the city of Tswane and the U.S. Embassy. So first up, our first storyteller on our podcast is Rifile Ledwaba. She is a founder and executive director of the Girls Fly program. She is the first black woman from South Africa to fly a helicopter and is also the first black woman to fly for the South African Police Service. She received her pilot's wings on 11th January 2006 at the age of 26. In 2009, Rifula founded the Southern Africa Women in Aviation and Aerospace Industry. This organization encourages and educates young girls about careers in the aviation and aerospace industry. More recently, Rifilwa founded the nonprofit organizations called Girl Fly Africa Program to encourage young women to pursue STEM careers regardless of their background. The organization is now an independent trust that supports programming and scholarships in the STEM fields. Rifilwe, welcome to Abakut, the storytellers. <laughs> Thank you, and thanks for that long, kind introduction. <laughs> <laughs> if you were doing your own introduction, I'm curious, what would you highlight? What would you showcase? And if you were the one taking the mic and introducing yourself, how would you introduce yourself? Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting, um, interesting um, question. And I think that's the question that we, a lot of us battle, battle with, but I need to give you a bit of context before I can introduce myself. Because yeah. I think context plays a, a, um, an important part in who we are. So mm. I'm going to give you a little bit of background, then I'll introduce myself. I like background. I want to yes. hear your story. I'm <laughs> awesome. here for it. I'm not here yeah. for the sound bite. <laughs> I can get the sound bite yeah. off the internet and that's what people are interacting with. I'm here to find yeah. out more about Rifilwe. So give yeah. us that context. My context... Um, it started a while ago. I had a privilege of growing up among powerful, inspiring women. I had my mom, uh, who was an academic, a change maker in the community, who did a lot in the community. I had neighbors, female neighbor, who was a doctor and had a, um, a, um, a surgery, a community center, and a garden that encourages other women to, you know, to make their own food. I had another um, neighbor who had a crutch. So I had social entrepreneurs. I had change makers in my community. I had really inspiring, powerful women. So when you ask me, what is my story and who am I? I'm a representative of all those women. I carry a little bit of all of them. Um, we spoke about storytelling. My grand, uh, grandmother was a storyteller, a wonderful storyteller. And I remember he, uh, her stories and I could, um, they were so vivid and it made me want to dream. I became a dreamer because of my grandmother. I wanted to travel to see a lot of places. So when I introduce myself, I have to tell a little bit of the story of all those women because I am them. I am part of that community. Today, I'm a social entrepreneur. That was in my community. I'm a pioneer. That was in my community. I'm a change maker. I'm a girls' or women's advocate. So it's, I think for me, it's quite important that in that introduction, we get to reflect, um, you know, the environment or the context that made us who we are or that made our story, not what we read on the internet. Because you'll never see that on the internet, the women that came before me. So... It, just in simple way to introduce myself, I am them. I am a little bit of them, all of them combined. You know that other saying as well, that um, you become what you see? Mm -hmm. That is me. 
the narrative of the African woman that mm. we tend to hear is not of one who comes from what we are calling privilege. Mm -hmm. um, you, you paint a picture of, of a privileged African, but you paint it in a way that makes it seem it is normal. You talk to me about power, strength, social impact. These are words that we are constructing typically with an African who is influential or affluent. Um, and, and are you from an affluent background? Is that what allows you to claim a, a context of having teachers, change makers? What is that? Is, is it, are you an exceptional African woman or is, is this the norm in your context? I'm trying to balance this yeah. narrative that you're giving me <laughs> yes. and engaging with you yeah. and, and this picture that we have of yeah. African women that when we come across them and mm. they're this articulate and, and they're mm. this direct that somehow they are a microcosm of, of a small community. Is this a small community context or construct that you're talking mm. about? Is it a mm. you know, this is she no. first black woman? Is she yeah. the only black woman <laughs> who no. qualifies to be a pilot? What makes you, yeah. is, are you exceptional? No, I, and, 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 and I think that's the point that you mentioned earlier on. You know, what you read um, in the media and everywhere, it's just part of the story. It's just mm. a single part of the story. No, I'm not on from an affluence background, but what made who I am is the community that mm. we are. We, we come up with big words, like you were saying, you know, like social entrepreneurship, mm. but we need to go back to what we did in our community. Mm. The things that we're doing now, they were done in our community. You know, women that, um, for example, the, the example I gave of a woman that started a crutch, mm. she saw a need in the community and started that. So it's, it's not a matter of being affluent. It's a matter of looking at what, what we need in a community context and how do we address the needs, you know, those of needs. So you don't need to be special or you don't need to be in a field way. But we often don't speak about those experiences and we often, um, I mean, you know, the, the other story that, for example, that will be told about me, yes, mm -hmm. I was brought up by a single mom. You know, my mom had seven kids. That's just a single story. But the mm -hmm. story I want to tell is how she had an impact uh, to what I am today. And I think those are the stories that we're missing. I, I didn't just wake up and decide I'm going to be a pioneer. There must have been something that happened in my community mm. that gave me the confidence to actually say, you know what, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to do this. Mm. When I decided to start a Girls Fly program in Africa, my, for me it was natural because in the community that I was brought up in, you know, when there was an issue, mm. somebody started something to address that issue. Mm. You know, so we, you know, we, we talk about human-centric design thinking. <laughs> you know, all those nice, things. Nice, beautiful MBA and, terms. Yes, <laughs> MBA terms, right? Human-centric design thinking comes from our community. As an entrepreneur, we, we, we understand that entrepreneurs exist to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And what I'm hearing from you is that our situational context allows us to see what's going on. Mm -hmm. But what I loved about what you said is that my environment was one that was defined by exemplary women. That, that kind of exemplary living was a norm. Yeah. So it wasn't, uh, uh, and, and I say this with tongue in cheek because I always think about how as African women we are the beneficiaries of empowerment <laughs> and development. Development, yeah. yeah. Those are conversations that we get thrown at all the time that there's something lacking in the psyche or in the knowledge base or in the influential space of an African woman and therefore she needs to be taught these things. But what you are saying is that in our situational domestic contexts, we live these things. We may not be using mm. the terminology, but intuitively and situationally, we know that. Mm. We, we understand that we see a problem in our community and we have a solution. The crash example that you've given. Mm. We see a challenge and we solve for it, right? Chimamanda is one who's great yeah. for pointing out the danger of a single, single story, story. Mm -hmm. and how that defines you. And as African mm -hmm. women, how that defines us. What is the most frequently narrated story about you and, and your business? And why do you think that this is the case? You know, I think the, the frequently narrated story, you have already in a bit touched on it as well. Mm. I'm the first black woman to do this and this and this. I did that deliberately. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I, I was looking at you yeah. and I'm like, yes. <laughs> so that, that is the most narrated story wherever you go. And, and I mean, that happened 20 years ago, to, you know, more than 15 years ago. That's how we right? introduce accomplished yes. black women. Yeah. By so, the fact that they were the first. Yeah, 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. But 
there's a lot of things that had happened in That's that 15 a, years. You're the first black woman no. to be a pilot. <laughs> then there's a problem if today that's still something that we celebrate because we should be talking about the 15th person or the 100th person. So I cannot be working, you know, smiling mm. when I still have that tag of being the first black I'm not even flying helicopters, by the way, nowadays. I'm flying other things. What effect has it had? And you've, you've talked about how it focuses all on one aspect, one right? One aspect, yeah. Um, in you and the, and the work that you do, how has this mm. focus on that single story affected where you are invited, um, where mm. you talk about taking seats at the table? What seats have been opened up to you because of the single story? But also, what has the danger been yeah. that you've experienced of the single story? What has it locked you perhaps out of or yeah. prevented people from seeing more of? Yeah. So some of one of the I, I like saying you know the unintended consequences of being the first mm-hmm. you know and it's quite an interesting question because uh, last week I actually had a discussion on one of the conference members that invited me to come and speak at the conference mm. and the topic that I was supposed to speak about was um, the barriers of women in the aviation industry and 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 I'll tell you why I'm you know I'm smiling you know barriers or the challenges of women and I declined. And I said, by the virtue of it, inviting me to come and speak about that topic, that's, I'm declining based on that. And, 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 and it's because, obviously, of the narrative. But what I've seen as well, when, 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 when I look at the aviation industry, like, for example, women will only get a sit on the table or will get to participate in sort of panel discussion that they're either talking about women leadership mm-hmm. or they're talking about the barriers or the challenges. I mean, it's been 20 years. We need to be implementing. Mm-hmm. We know what the barriers are and the challenges are. And I said, to, I said to him, have you got a topic that has to do with strategies in the airline or economics of airline strategy or finance or anything like that? That I can speak about. I'll go and do research and speak about. And it was quite interesting that last week I, I did a panel uh, discussion on the status of the African um, airline industry, oh, and I was exactly. And on my panelist, I had a, um, I had the CEOs of industries, airline, airline association, and you know. So those are the places that I would like to be because that's mm-hmm. where the true empowerment is. Not me talking about our bar- uh, the barriers. If I'm gonna be, if we're gonna get women in the executive, you know, executive or top management, that's mm-hmm. where they need to be because. Remember, and, and it's quite interesting, when you start researching about those topics, that's where there's learning that take place, takes mm. place. So now I have to research all the time about barriers, mm. about women, that we know about those barriers. You become the only custodian of the barriers and the challenges. But that is the, one of the barriers <laughs> of not being in those spaces where we start talking about strategic issues mm. in the aviation industry. Because you, you're not the go-to person when mm. they want to talk about challenges. But when we talk about the economics of airline strategies, when we talk about institutional voids that impact on those strategies, when we talk about financing of airlines, you find that a panel, it's all males. And what mm. happening is the knowledge stays with a certain demographic mm. because you never ever get a chance to be sitting on those tables. Mm. Because when you do go and speak, you do research, right? So, mm-hmm. And every time you speak, you get a little bit of, you know, additional yeah, knowledge. Additional right? knowledge. Yeah. So you get excluded in those spaces because remember, you're the first black to do this. So you need to come and talk about your challenges 20 years ago, right? right. Or 15 years ago. Right. And then maybe say how, you know, you're going to solve those challenges. I'm already, I have a foundation that's you know working towards those challenges so that's some of the it, it's some of those disadvantages because people mm. think that there is nothing beyond uh, just flying that airplane mm. trust me I love flying and mm-hmm. it's a big thing and being a pioneer it's amazing because it has given me this platform mm. to just you know make tangible changes like mm. those women in my community mm. but that's not the only story and you're right it does restrict where i can be but i've started being deliberate in terms of what i allow and w- the spaces that i you know that i go to as well mm. and i'm not trivializing mm-hmm. by all means the challenges that we as women have and mm. do but i'm saying some of the solution let's not talk about the challenge some of the solution is just simply putting us putting us in places where we can develop even more to get into those spaces that we're yeah. not you know we're not playing mm. you know executive level ceo level mm. you know in the aerospace industry and whatever i love being technical it, it's mm. but there is another side as well I also like the fact that you talk about shift and saying, I'm already doing that. Mm. Um, And I did lament, you know, how we are called in and and we represent all other women. 
but given your community conversation right at the beginning, mm-hmm. when you see there's something wrong, you create a solution. A solution yeah. You've done just that, mm-hmm. right? With yeah. the Girls Fly program. Mm-hmm. Um, what is Girls Fly program solving for? Poverty, inequality, unemployment. There are poor challenges that are affecting this country. But we're doing it through aviation and space. That's a simple Girls Fly program, it has a bit of a story as well. Mm-hmm. Because when we started, um, we went with a narrative, right? Mm-hmm. There's, uh, there's a number of, uh, there's not a lot of female pilots. There's not a lot of people that look like us. So let's start something that mm-hmm. might be able, able to address it. So we started off and addressed it in a very superficial, we? So superficial way. As a community or a person that, were, that grew up in, in, in such a community where collective is much more important than individual mm. um, you're going to hear a lot of me referring to we even though I was the initial person this is fascinating but, <laughs> and I'm not going to take away from yes, the question yeah, that I've asked yeah. um, this is fascinating because yeah. um, as an, in a business proposition that I'd put forward before somebody I said we and I kept getting asked the question who is we mm. because one had conceptualized it yeah. and I think it goes back to your answer that you are a product of the people who came before you, yeah. um, but you're also part of a community. So we, because it's a, it's not one person. One person might champion it. Yes, a lot of people are affected, and yeah. a lot of people have influenced the and thinking. And they're part of it. And yes. they are part of yeah. solving it. Yeah. Whilst you might be spearheading it, yeah. and that's the we. I love that because that's an African context, it right? Is. It's a very African yeah. distinct way of saying I yeah. represent my community. Yeah. So we wanted to, you know, get the number of. Um, women up so we'll go to schools and speak to you know kids and do all these things but it was very superficial because it wasn't yielding the results what results that that we wanted to see so for for you to be able to address a problem you need to actually understand the problem itself Mm -hmm. was the problem the numbers or did it even go even further back Okay. So that that's where we, we you know we came in because you yes we we'll go to, you go to schools and you will tell these kids about all these exciting which is what we used to do, mm-hmm. and at some point we had to come back to the drawing board and just do a bit of research what is happening in communities. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do sort of reverse right. Okay, you want female pilots. Right. What do they need? What processes do they need to go through to get there? Right. If you're in grade zero or you're sitting somewhere in Ramadala, mm-hmm. what would you need to jump through? to be able to get there. And that's what we need to solve. That's a journey. That's the part that we need to solve. Not the end part of saying we need whatever. That's where the impact is. Because when you start impacting there, you start giving people a choice. We're no longer talking about becoming a pilot. They know it's a choice from a word go, from that young age. So they can decide whether I want to become a pilot or engineer Mm -hmm. or not. So that's what we're trying to do. Give them a voice. Give them a choice. And when they choose not to become whatever career they want to, not because there were barriers, because they don't want to. So we had to sort of go back. And that's where Southern African women sort of transformed into now Girls Fly program Mm -hmm. in Africa, where we had to look at the grassroots perspective. What is happening there? Mm -hmm. What do we need to solve there to be able to get a lot of engineers? What do we need to solve there to be able to get a lot of um, pilots, uh, air traffic controller, or even responsible citizens that can give back. And it goes back to community mm. again. Love How that. do we re- reconstruct that supportive community? Mm. Yes, I didn't have money. There were a lot of barriers, but I had skills to navigate that. And those skills I've got from the community. Um, I like telling the story that, you know, when I went to university, I had 200 rand. I was 16 years old. I had 200 rand in my pocket and I left alone because I was brave because of those women. So how do we construct a, a, an environment where you raise young, brave women mm. that regardless of those challenges that you have, they're mm. able to stumble? Because if you solve that, the numbers are going to automatically go up. So when we say first black woman mm. as, as an accolade, we feel that we're solving for the number of black women. But mm. you're saying, actually, you're not solving for the number of women. That's an output. It is. The yeah. number of women is an output. What mm. you need to solve for is the choices that are available mm-hmm. um, to that young black woman mm-hmm. so that she can opt in. Yes. And, and I, I love that context. Mm. But that's a patient, long-term concept. Yeah. How do you get people to buy into that? Because let's be honest, mm. um, the reality is where 
funding and support tends to flow to mm-hmm. is to where the noise is and the noise is there's not a lot of black women mm. and so let's do training program programs, yeah. <laughs> yes. and, and it's not dealing with the, the choice element mm. the mindset element that is a much longer journey, journey to walk yeah. in your story of what you're solving for how did you go about it how did you give it effect and what does it look like today yeah. It, it, it is quite interesting, and you're right, because you get funding, and they're like, in three months' time, we want, you know, we want the results. <laughs> yeah, where the women. Yeah, oh, we, we've given oh, you funding yes, for training. For training. Yes, and we've trained 100 yeah. women, where because that's what women. the money is. Yes. The money says, yeah. we've solved it. I don't know yeah. where they're making the decisions, yeah. but they're saying, we've got 100,000 rand, train 300 women, and yeah, where are the, the women. With it, yeah. So it, it is quite interesting, because initially, you're right, we did struggle to um, convince people but again, that's where, um, you know, the, the, when I said there are some positives about being the first black, because you do get these platforms. Right. So I think initially I used a lot of my identity to be able to build the organization and build and, and bring in a lot of money. And that g- gave us a, a bit of a chance to actually uh, show people how it will look like when you mm. give people a space to do what they do. And I can give you an example. Mm. I used to land at a lot of schools. So I Yeah, you know, you yeah. said this to me before, that yes. I landed at a high school. And I'm yeah. thinking, you, are you flying your helicopter and you're landing at a high school? What are you doing? What do you mean yeah. landing at a school? <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? I used to work in KZN. And we'll go, you know, with a police helicopter, we'll go and do like an operation or do some work. So whenever I go to an area, whether it's Matatiela, Freyhead, and actually these rural areas, whenever I finish, we finish working, I will tell the guys on the ground, can you find a school? Let me pop in for five minutes. For two things. Wow. We become what we see, right? From my community. Oh. So now I'm landing that helicopter. I'm coming out. I was like so small with my overalls. They've seen this helicopter flying, but they didn't know who was flying that helicopter. Now you land and you get out and you're like, hi guys, let me show you what the helicopter. Now they see a female you know, young black female in that particular area flying this helicopter after we've done the work. So I, I used to do that quite a lot in those communities. And I used to love it. And they used to love it. I, I, I remember these old women, they were coming, they're like, what? You were flying that helicopter? And they'll, you know, they'll call all, wow. you know, all the other young people. What we see visually, it, it's, it's very, very strong. And we had a, um, one of the young ladies that, I mean, we had a police helicopter landing at her school. She was in grade, um, I think grade... 10 or 11 and and we kept in touch with her you know she came through our programs and went through the programs finished her matric i remember speaking to her in when she finished her matric and i'm like okay what happened um how far are we are you now you know what is happening she's like no yeah i've got eight a's i'm like okay this is interesting you know like this is exciting because you've been through our programs and now Mm. you've got eight a's what are you going to be studying a rental engineer how do you how did you choose that it's like no but you guys came to my school and whatever and that's how i wanted to become a doctor but since you guys came this is the area that i've been focusing on and wanted to become an aeronautical engineer and through one of our partner organizations she, she got a full scholarship she's now an aeronautical engineer a drone pilot she's working but this is what is so interesting so last week i i, I sent a, a question like a quick mm. question and i'm like how did our intervention, you know, help you, you know, or your, the community around me? And she's like, yeah, I'm currently mentoring this young girl who comes from the same rural area and who's studying aeronautical engineering. That what I call an impact. Not saying I have trained 500. No, no, no. Norm, you know, Norma is an aeronautical engineer. She is going further, mentoring another, another aeronautical engineer, coming from the same village, but how did that other aeronautical engineer knows, know about aeronautical engineering? From her. So that's the, the impact that, you know, that, um, that we're sort of talking about. And I think now, I mean, you ask me a question, how do people now see us? That's mm. how they see us. Because the results, the five years or, you know, in 2009, when we started mm. Southern African Women in Aviation, that's where it came from. These results that we're seeing uh, today. But the beauty about the, that those results is the impact in the communities. Mm. So we're not stopping at her. We want to see how impacting her or changing her life is changing her that's community. Right. And that's how we break the cycle of poverty. What are we solving for? That's mm. what we're solving for. When we hear conversations of poverty, inequality, Employment. and unemployment, mm-hmm. we tend to think it's an economic conversation. Mm-hmm. We tend to give it 
a construct that makes us deal with it almost academically. Yeah. What I'm hearing from you is that it actually starts with an ignition of the imagination. Mm-hmm. And we are not going to change how we are currently sitting in the space of poverty, mm-hmm. inequality, and unemployment unless we ignite our imagination to doing things differently. differently. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is exciting for mm-hmm. me because even in our work, Lebo and I, mm-hmm. we're constantly having to come up to partners who have got resources to support the change. Mm-hmm. And our challenge is to say to them, there is a different model. Mm-hmm. The world interacts with certain models because mm-hmm. the world works from um, contexts, mm-hmm. largely in more developed spaces, where the solutions they've provided would work well if it was a perfect world. A perfect world, yeah. We're not in a perfect world, and we need greater imagination mm-hmm. around how we solve for things. For things, yeah. Um, and and I'm finding that you know the space of igniting I- imagination is one we haven't learned to curate ideas mm-hmm. that don't give you immediate results. Results, yeah. But which link up to each other. Mm-hmm. And this ability to build the tapestry over mm-hmm. time, I think also builds on our social construct as Africans, mm-hmm. where we say, together. And it's walking that journey of it's not perfect. So this idea of, I'm going to give you a business model and it's going to give this, be, yeah. it's too soon. Yeah. There needs to be a patience of developing African models that work. And that's what I'm hearing that mm. you've done. Mm. You've said that my community, my construct, my way of working is community-based. Mm-hmm. The community souls, you model what you see. Mm-hmm. Um, you said in your own world, you will be the model because mm-hmm. others around you have mm-hmm. been the model. model. That's yeah. not taught. That mm-hmm. is experienced. Mm-hmm. You have evidenced how being the model ignites others to model for themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you put that in a business plan? It's difficult to explain. And I'm going to tell you why. I just <laughs> want to give you another example. You know, the, you know, COVID-19 and we talk about the digital divide mm-hmm. and, 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 and it speaks to what exactly what you're saying now. And so as a foundation, obviously, at some, you know, when COVID came in mm-hmm. and we're sitting there and we're like, oh, we need to digitize, mm-hmm. you know, we need to get online. Online learning. To, yeah, online learning. <laughs> we need to do all these things. And and I remember one of the guys rose up and like, guys, where are your stakeholders? Mm-hmm. Who, are, who are your stakeholders? Right? Mm. It's, I'm like, yeah, um, kids from the rural areas. Okay. Yeah. How many of them have got access to whatever that you want to do now. And I remember at that point, we had funding to have a camp and all these nice things that normally would have been in person. Now, the funder is obviously waiting for results. results. And now we're sitting there, we're like, okay. And we actually did, you know, um, design a camp to run online. Mm-hmm. And at some point, we stopped. And we're like, no. If the funder comes to us, we will return the money. Yeah. Because we're not going to have a camp that is going to exclude the most, yeah, the very same people that we serve. Mm. And lucky the funder didn't. And actually, we're having that first camp next week. Oh, that's exciting. And ten, those learners from um, Venda that didn't even have access to internet because we had to work through teachers, they'll be coming to the camp in Johannesburg. Wow. If we had that camp during COVID, we would have excluded them. So for me, how do we solve these three things mm. if we always solve for Johannesburg uh, people? If we solve for spaces where yeah. the the ecosystem and the infrastructure already supports, is there. Exactly. then we're not affecting we're that not change affecting that change that we're looking so, yeah. for. So if we didn't understand the community and the people that we're serving, because the first mm. question is who are our stakeholders? Mm. And our stakeholders is young girls. Most of our stakeholders is young girls mm. from the rural areas, even though our programs are open to young girls. But if they're not represented in that group mm. of the young girls that we're serving, that we're not doing the work. I'm not going to stand proudly and say I've impacted 100 people from Johannesburg. Mm. I'll, stay, I'll stand proudly and say I've impacted three people from Hamaguya in mm. Venda. Because I know the impact of those three people that have impacted that entire community. 
we had to actually fly to that area because the infrastructure, the road infrastructure is so bad. So we had to partner with another organization that normally does um, relief work in those mm -hmm. areas, like fly doctors. So they give us two seats. Wow. So we fly in those areas because that's the only way that we could easily access them. Otherwise, you go to Toyendo and drive another four hours and the roads are really bad. So the only way we can do it quicker, efficiently, if, it's, if, if, if we fly in. Those are the people that we want to impact, the people that have no access. So when you talk about funding, yes, you're right. The models have to change because we need to contextualize who are the stakeholders. And the moment you understand who the stakeholders are, when you do talk to those funders and they say, no, but we need this, then you're going you to have to refuse the funding. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's just, and if they can't buy into that, uh, the business case, mm. Um, unfortunately, we I would decline the funding. But mm. so far, and you spoke about storytelling, yeah. right? We Africans, we love storytelling. Ah, we do. We can do yeah. it the whole day. The pitching in our community is storytelling. storytelling. What's your pitch to the community? Because you're coming into spaces. So here's what I'm hearing you say so far. We know you as a professional flight instructor, mm. right? So you that that's, that's what you're qualified to do. You not mm. only fly, I teach, but yes. you teach yeah. people to fly. Mm. And, and part of your, your world's work is to expose flying to those who have never mm. imagined it before mm. and, and, and it becomes an option. And for those who choose to make it an option, you walk a journey with them mm. to get to that qualification. So mm. you ignite the imagination mm -hmm. and you walk with them mm -hmm. um, um, to, to see that through. And, you, mm. and you've got some amazing success stories, which we, mm. I'd love to go into. Mm -hmm. But when you go into a community who, yes, gets excited by the fact that one, there's an aircraft that's mm. in their environment. Um, two, that there's a woman mm. <laughs> who is who's coming out, that she's black, mm. that she's young, mm -hmm. um, and and that she speaks a language typically that they can mm. connect with and understand. There's so many identity elements mm. in there for them. So what is your pitch? What do you go in and say that ignites that imagination beyond the visual and everything that you represent. Yeah. Not that it's not enough, yeah. but I'm curious as to the story that you're telling to them because the stories, we have to, you know, they say there's a danger in a single story, mm. but there's different audiences for stories. So yeah. you've, I've got a sense of the story that you're talking to partners and funders where there's a business case and, you know, mm. we have this beautiful, um, you know, I call it boardroom conversation, mm. but the hard conversation, the stakeholder conversation mm. for those who you are impacting What's your story? When you become part of the people, mm. you've already done part half of the work. Mm. So when you don't speak over people, mm. you've already done half of the work. Mm. So I, I can give you an example yesterday, right? So I was addressing, uh, you know, the youngsters that are coming on Sunday. And I went and I actually looked at all of them, where they're from, what their names, what they're doing, mm -hmm. and then the languages and everything. So when I, in, when I started speaking to them, I started speaking to them in their own language. There were two students that came from the same school that I went to in Zani really? that are coming to the camp. So oh. I said to those two, to those two students, oh, by the way, I was at that school. So I started con you know, speaking about my experiences in, in, in that mm. particular school. So when you... I think one of the most, I think, challenging thing that, I mean, I felt trapped uh, at some point, maybe 15, 20 years um, earlier, mm -hmm. is speaking over people. So we come in as in, I'm coming to solve your, you know, your issues or whatever in, in, in the community, like I'm the Messiah or something like mm -hmm. that. And there's that aura that you bring as well. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I, yeah, I am success. Yes, I'm success. Success looks like, like this. This, this, is what, <laughs> this is what they, it looks like. And mm -hmm. Emulate yeah, this. Yes. And I have the formula for the you. The formula for you. <laughs> so, and, and at some point, it's when you start looking back uh, as to who the person you are, how you were molded and they, they kind of, because we always go to the values, right? That we grew mm -hmm. up with, your family values and everything. And you realize that, that's the problem. That or that is one of the biggest problem. Because how are you going to solve a problem if you don't understand the communities that you work with? Mm. So my approach has always been that yes, you go there, you show them whatever, but let them show you as well some of the things that they do in their communities. Mm. You know, let them share with you and sit. And and it's so amazing how people want to share stories with you. Mm. How people want to tell you, you know, some of the things that they are doing. Because mm. we always go there and we think, oh. Well, our stories are more important right. than anybody else, right. right? I'm the first. My story, therefore, is important. Right. Yeah, but actually it's not. The community has its own challenges, its own yeah. issues. They've its got their priorities. own issues. They've got their own, you know, story. You are not necessarily shouting from the rafters 
about you being success, but you're going out into spaces that many of us haven't thought of Mm -hmm. and just being present and evidence and representation Mm -hmm. of the possibility. Mm -hmm. You said earlier that your influence is that that's what you saw around you Mm -hmm. growing up. In using platform and in using um, status, which is what accolades allow you to Mm -hmm. have, what has been your challenge around having platform? What is what is what does platform meant for you? But also, mm-hmm. what is the difficulty? Mm-hmm. And maybe let me contextualize it. Mm-hmm. And I always say, let me make it personal. Yeah, personal. Yeah. Um, as as a personal person, I'm very mm-hmm. private, mm-hmm. and so platform comes with visibility, yes. right? yeah. and, and and that yeah. might not be a natural space. So whilst yeah. you might like to see mm-hmm. um, things changing, it, there's a personal sacrifice. There's mm-hmm. a personal um, commitment yeah. and contracting you need to have with what you're putting out there. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are some of the challenges of having platform, particularly in how we engaged earlier mm-hmm. on how people perceive and have identified a particular story of mm-hmm. you? What has been some of the challenges of you personally um, optimizing platform? Yeah. You're right. I'm, I'm also a very private person. And um, I, initially, I wasn't comfortable on that platform. Mm-hmm. I'm, not a, I'm not comfortable speaking in public. I... I wasn't comfortable doing all these interviews, but that's how my foundation got that initial kick mm. that it needed to actually move, um, you know, from one place to the other. But I think the other thing, the other unintended, it's, it's, and I, I don't think it's deliberate as well. I think it's, it's just one of the results of just being in that particular platform is sometimes people forget that you're human uh. as well. So you're hurt as well so these so they they or you you need your time as well because now your time becomes everyone's time time. community time right for a while you do get a lot of bent out because you in these interviews because you expect it to be there and 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 i think you mentioned something quite earlier as well you're representing a certain demographic so you need to come out and you need to be your voice need to be louder Mm. and sometimes you just need that time on the corner for yourself and i find that initially it was difficult to Mm. balance um you know to balance having that me time and taking care of myself because you know we we you know we're taking care Mm. of um everyone else Mm. and i mean you might argue that you know that's what we do in the community but Mm. the 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 community setup was in such a way that we did take care of each other even those people that were building the community Mm. but what i found myself years ago is it felt like you sitting alone because People perceive you. You're strong. You went through this. Oh, that's yes. words. Yes. Strong, strong woman. You're a strong woman, <laughs> and I, I refuse to use that. I'm like, no, I, I'm not strong. I do bleed. That's that's the yeah. You're a strong woman. Yeah. You can win. So because you're not, you people perceive you as being strong. They normally, and it's not deliberate. So when you mm. do need help, you don't know how to ask for it. Number one. Number two, you not no normally it doesn't really come as easy. Mm. And, and and that is the difference between that and the my initial community interaction. We're in the community. You know, it doesn't matter whether you we help each other. Mm. But in this context, because I was the strong one, I needed to be strong for everyone. Yeah. But there were times where I needed other people to be strong for me. Your strength. Yeah. So or your source of strength. My sources of strength. And I didn't know how to ask for it. So imagine the first black woman and I'm asking mm. somebody, listen, I'm struggling with you know with this there's also expectations there's expectations the yes somehow you're superhuman yeah so that's the, the that's the and and that's a myth so we need to do <laughs> you need like, help let's kill that yes, one now we need, need <laughs> you know everyone needs mm-hmm. support everyone need help right. so that just that was one of the biggest biggest thing of just not having that time when something does happen to me where i need to heal where yeah. I, need to, I don't have that time because you know I mean, so such a platform, yes, on, on, on me to be mm. able to do certain things. The, the second thing, which was quite interesting as well, was at some point, so you're driving the, you know, the narrative, you're the first black and you, the, you've got a career that you need to build. Mm. And some things, you, I, I know you've heard that word, that's a career killer, kind of. Oh, so, yeah, yeah t- so 18 years ago, standing up as a black woman, yes, it's good in the media, but in the workplace, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. You know, you're standing, you know, you're always in the media, but there's other people. I mean, you, you'll hear people commenting, you're always in the media, but there's other people that are working mm. or there's other people. So it's, it's you, you're not deserving to be in that particular platform that you're given. It's this weird thing that if you're a black woman and you're famous, somehow 
it takes away from your professional competency. Yes. Yeah, and you'll get you'll get told to tone it down a bit. Oh, oh you had to tone yeah. it down. Yeah, but and what does toning yeah, it down look like? like? Finding the naughty corner <laughs> and just sitting there and you know. Uh, keeping quiet and then just waiting for somebody to to be invited. Yeah, to invite it and come out when we want you. Make a lot of noise and then go back to that naughty corner. So come out, speak about the yeah. challenges of women, then yes. go back and then go back and do not yeah. So that's the naughty corner. So okay. you get you get kind of such you know such a box. So it, it took me a long time to, um, you know, start balancing. Uh, you know the two. How do I balance the two? How do I learn to say no? Yes, mm. I'm running this foundation. Yes, we're doing a you know a job, but I'm just. A person like you, I do need my time. Mm. I am building a career as well, and I sometimes, you know, I do need support from, right. you know, yeah. So I think those are some of the, you know, unintended again consequences yeah. of having such a platform. Invisibility. Uh, yeah. Or of, of yeah. And but I've, I've, I've I mean, I've learned to uh, embrace it, and and I think the beauty about it things that I, I think I should have known when I was younger now that I'm older <laughs> tell is, us these secrets it's just how comfortable I am in saying no now how comfortable I am in saying no I'm not going to do, that. do it and they, they, they'll be like uh, you know something that we don't talk about like subtle punishment as well for I need to you in the nitty corner you come out wherever. Mm. so if you that box then you you need to move within that box right and then mm. if you try to lift your image they're gonna, you know, let me not say you stay, but let me just say sometimes you get to a point where you get pushed back again right. in that particular. Uh -huh. It's like a jack in the box. You yes. popped out and you're like, yeah. hey, and come they, back. And they're like, no, no, come back. There's your, you know, there's your confined, yeah, your, your confined uh, box. And if you try again, then, you know, there's a bit of punishment then. there. Yeah. And punishment, social punishment can come in, in so many ways. And I've heard a lot of women talking about, like, in behind closed doors, how, you know, social exclusion or all those things happen right. because you're not confined, you're not, you know, the narrative that behaving. you're there, you're not behaving according to that particular narrative. Now that I'm old, I actually smile. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, wow. you're doing that? Bless you. <laughs> but you're stronger, right? Yes. And, and I think this is such an important, because we assume that because we've come a long way, um, and I guess to that extent we can yeah. understand the questions around challenges, etc. We just don't want to be kept there. Yes. Um, but we, 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 I think we can appreciate that there is there is doors that are opening, but it doesn't mm. mean that once the door is open that it's easy. Yeah. We're still navigating politics. Yes. So having walked this journey um, from, you know, imagining or imagining because you were free to explore ideas from mm -hmm. a young age mm -hmm. um, and, and sharing that construct of freedom of imagination mm -hmm. and safety to participate. Um, and you've created the spaces of safety for young mm -hmm. girls to participate. Um, what would you say you would do differently in your journey mm -hmm. now that you've walked this far and you know what you know mm -hmm. and you've experienced what you've experienced? What would you do differently mm -hmm. or... What could the environment engage with differently so that we can shift this a lot then, better, yeah. given the model that mm. you are positioning and you have tested, mm. that it works if we do it this way? Mm. What, would you, what would you encourage? I think one of the biggest things that I would definitely do differently is understanding where I come from. Because oh? when, when, so when I had to reflect... Mm. And look at, looked at the role, my community, mm. and looked at that where I came from. It gave me the confidence. Oh wow! Because something worked from mm. there. So yes, I went to university, and you know, uh, uh, different experiences change you, and you mm. you tend to adapt certain ways of doing things, oh, yeah. right? But when you go to the basics, that's where you find them beautiful comfort in a sense that it's a very it's a natural space for you and once you're comfortable in that natural space mm. or that space that you know that you actually forgot about mm. i can assure you you know you it's not easy for external things to shake you as a person oh. because you we forget the values that we i forgot what anchored me those values that i got from that community and once i remembered and that's where in my personal life everything shifted in a sense of I knew what a good environment looks like mm -hmm. and I knew what a building environment looks like. 
and I would not take anything less than that. How do you sustain your yeah. operations? How do you sustain um, creativity in a mm. space where funding looks for tangible um, elements? What are you doing to sustain the, the foundation? Yeah, it's, it's quite an interesting uh, question because we had to ask ourselves that the same particular question where mm. our initial model was based on 100% external funding. So mm. we'll get people funding our programs, but that's not a sustainable model so you know that's where i think the mba starts working now and we needed to find a way how do we then create a hybrid mm. uh, model where yes we're a non-profit organization but we need to create our own revenue to a point where in a couple of years time Funding, we should be selecting. No, no, actually, we don't want your money. We, we are we're actually okay. okay. You know, okay. kind of thing. And it's something, then we started building it in. What is it that the foundation can do to start generating this revenue? And we, I mean, there were a lot of ideas that came in. And Which are these ideas you know, from? Again, we. Yes. <laughs> no, but this time is actually we. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> so it is, a, it, it, it is a team. Yeah. And I mean, I can give you an example. And, and we, we did, a, we did, a uh, few things that started generating revenue in in, in, in you know in the organization. Um, we started doing other programs that will charge you know charge people for mm-hmm. for those running those programs. You know, partnering with companies and running programs on their behalf. We've got a, a, a an, on, an online shop which I know a lot of companies you know organization have. You know, they've got this online shop. But there's a I think the most exciting part about it we we leveraging on the industry that we have. In, in a sense of how do we then make make that work? And to give you an example, we've got a big conference that is happening in Madagascar. Mm-hmm. That's outside South Africa, and they wanted a consignment, like a, you know, like tote bags. So they came to order from us as an. Oh, wow. uh, and then pilot apps. So we've got a pink pilot apps for like, for, for example, in October, like a, sort of a campaign, mm-hmm. and we the ones that are sourcing them so airlines will come to us or charter companies and like can you source that for us so that was just a low hanging fruit where you can get you know sort of cash coming in and then we went further and we're like you know what we're in the innovation space right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and 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 this was actually triggered by by what happened during COVID-19 as well we wanted to do a program um, using drones, drone kits. So you have to, normally we'll procure from other countries because in South Africa, nobody will be producing those drone kits. So so you've got a kit that, you know, kids, young people can work with and mm-hmm. then build this drone and code it and fly it. Right. And so we couldn't, you know, uh, procure them because COVID-19 and the shipping. Value chains. Yeah, value chains. And then the local uh, person that was here, I don't know, she, she was sort of in the same space and we decided, you know what, we're actually going to do it. We're going to produce, we're going to build a prototype and produce those kids and actually commercial, commercialize them. So, so pro- you are now producing drone kits. So, so those, yeah, so we've got 3D printers and building that prototype. And then we had other partners coming in. Now the private sector coming in to invest in that particular a project by you know with skills mm-hmm. for us to be able to manufacture that um, we had for example Grand Central Airport that's where we stationed we needed a big place they donated a hangar for real yes <laughs> so multiple stakeholders you know private uh, partnerships and whatever to right. actually create that particular um, space where we can start manufacturing educational now we're not, we're not looking at only drone kids we're talking we're looking at educational kids Wow. So it can be robotics, it can be whatever. Now we're not going to be, we're not sourcing from another country. And now we're saying to other organizations and companies, we here, we can, you know, you can specify whatever we need. Mm-hmm. We've got engineers put together a prototype and stuff that are, you know, contextually, like you can, something that can work, whether you're in vendor or anything, and we can sort of build it for you. So we've moved now into... Um, it was by default that we did that, but it was a challenge, right? We, right. But we turned it into opportunity, opportunity to bring revenue into the into the business. Into the business because well, it's long-term, yes, right? it's, it's a long term. So we're not talking about something. But what does it do? Not only do we bring money, we're transferring skills because right. we are building these prototypes. Yes, they are under engineers, supervision mm-hmm. by engineers, mm-hmm. but it's young kids from Soweto and whatever coming in, learning now the manufacturing process mm. 
and I mean, if like I, I was I was looking at the statistics the other day in South Africa, you probably have only two drone manufacturing companies, and the drone technology is one of the technology that is taking over. It's, it's cutting edge. It's cutting edge. You know, we're talking about autonomous vehicle. We're talking about flying cars. Yeah. Uh, you know, at some point. Yeah. So you're looking at an a non. We yes, we're a non-profit organization, but mm. we're also an entity that is on the forefront of innovation and seeing how we can contribute not only you know to the foundation but to the you know to the ecosystem the mm. innovation ecosystem on, in south africa and by default that brings money Amazing. we are employing people we're paying salaries like how you exciting. have no idea how excited Look, i was I can, I can <laughs> actually watching no we, light, we uh, have right? we have we don't have a lot of stuff we've got yeah. three full-time staff now yeah. and then we've got probably about 200 volunteers in the organization 200 volunteers, volunteers yeah so we are looking into um, it's a whole conversation. Managing it's a, it's a, yes, oh yeah, it's a conversation. <laughs> but we 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 That's land. Okay. Yeah, we we have land the hard way as well managing, you know, volunteers. But when you've got a hybrid, because we moved from a volunteer based organization mm. without any. But when you've got a hybrid um, structure, you're able to understand how to utilize the volunteers, and it's you start you can see it working. When we had, like, for example, let's say a hundred percent volunteer, it was hard. It was difficult because remember, volunteers they come they, and go. yeah they come and go, and there's no yeah. But now, when you've got full time staff, the important things are taken care of. Ah. Uh, Whereas before, yo, it was hard yeah. because when we planned this camp, volunteers were actually planning oh. the camp. But now, when you've got full time staff, the full time staff are. The basics are covered. The basics are covered. So it's, it's, it's quite exciting. So yes, three, but we're increasing, the, we're increasing the number. We just opened an office in Cape Town now. Again, it's an office, a fixture there. Mm -hmm. And as well, we can leverage some of the funders in right. Cape Town, but our work... Because it's is, an innovation-based, yes, right? Yes, it's innovation-based. It's innovation hub. Yeah. yeah. And then, but our work will be in the outskirts of... I'm so glad we went yeah. to this element of the conversation because when we tell story, part of the assumption is that we're telling nice stories. But mm. I love the entrepreneurial aspect yes. that you're bringing in, that I am an entrepreneur, I've walked a journey, I understand what needs to change. Yeah. But there's also that element of how do I sustain this? Because dreams are amazing. Yeah. If they're not funded, <laughs> they can die. They can, yeah. and, and, and what I'm hearing is that the core of making your dreams possible is the ability to pull in people. You have to pull into in the dream. Yeah, and you have to have partnerships. I mean, we talk about, you know, MBAs, private and whatever. So you need to pull all those people. So if there's a big project like this, you've got expert. Commercializing something, it's not easy. In, no. in, 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 in building a prototype of something is not easy. But we have, I mean, I'm a scientist by profession as well, mm -hmm. like besides being, and then um, some of the team, my team members are aeronautical engineers. So how do we use the, our skills now? to start innovating, to play right. in that particular area right. and make sure that this organization lives beyond us. That's what we... That for. So the, the, I think the nice part of where I am now mm -hmm. in terms of I've got stuff, now I start thinking about my, my role now in the foundation is 20 years later. So right. I'm thinking my role now is like, what, what does the foundation look like in 20 years? Right. And what do I need to do? That's all I do. And tell us, what does it look like in 20 years? <laughs> what does it look like yeah. in 20 years? I, I mean, I'm looking at, I mean, with this project that we're doing now, I'm looking at some cutting innovation coming out of that hangar wow. in, Grand, you know, in Grand Central Airport. And I'm looking, I see those young people that we're talking about today being in the forefront of those you know, of the cutting, the, the edge, cutting edge innovation, drone yeah, drone technology globally. So that's that's and obviously retired and looking at how beautiful <laughs> it all looks from my chair. Like, wow. and well, having deliveries made to you by drones designed yeah, in yeah, those hangars. In those, yeah. So exactly. So it's they they. I mean, we're talking about. I mean, one of the aspects that we didn't touch about is, is entrepreneurship in those communities, right? right? We spoke about that area in Venda where it takes you three hours from moving from one area to the other. Mm. And, you know, that just the other day I was talking to this guy in Europe. They've built a prototype, Dronomics. Um, they built a, tro a, pro a prototype. It's called the Black Swan. And it can carry cargo, like, I think, 800 kg, and it can travel 2,000 kilometers, Right. Now, That's across the country. Yeah, exactly. So now, imagine this. We're talking about Venda, right? Area where it's 
that it is away from everyone else. We're not waiting for somebody to build a road. We're saying, okay, cool. Why don't we invent, like Dronomics did, such a technology that, you know, we can transport cargo into Venda without even worrying about, you know, leapfrogging. And the nice part about the drone technology, it's, ch- it's cheap, it's accessible, and we'll be flying that, those kids there. You've got this other part of the aviation industry, the unmanned, they're called unmanned, but they're changing that name into un- uncrewed. Because normally what happens now in the industry, if you want to be a pilot, you have to move into a big city because that's where your commerce are, where your big charter companies are. Drone company, no, you can sit it up there. And that is a fundamental shift that we need to make. Yes. Because we talk about urbanization. We yeah. talk about crowding. Yeah. But in the same way that education has taken away from communities its most talented people, because yeah. then they go to where the money and the, the work is, is. Yeah. and then we wonder why we stay rural. Yeah. The ability to transform rural by keeping the talent and the skill right there is the true opportunity to unlock yeah. economic activity, activity for all. For all. So 20 years' time, when I see the cargo drones in that rural area being flown by young people in that area, having drone companies that they can do deliveries in that particular you know, in that particular um, area, whether it's medication, having drones to improve their agricultural output, I mean, those are the strategic conversations because now you're telling me, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking dry ports in a rural area because all of a sudden the logistical element, which has been the domain of your government in terms of roads, in terms of rail, in terms of ports, Mm -hmm. is now going to change simply because you've opened up who can play and how they play in that space. You've excited me about the future completely. <laughs> the landscape of what rural is is yeah. about to change and shift. Yeah. And that's what that's where is the foundation. Those are some, some of the things that we're looking at. Aviation industry as a whole, the other part of the aviation industry, it was built in such a way that it was not inclusive from the word go. Mm. But we've got an opportunity. This is a new industry. Mm. So we can't be making the same mistakes that we did there by excluding a, you know, a certain demographic. For example, the capital that you need to invest in the manned mm-hmm. aviation industry is quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And the players that are there, you know, they're so dominant that you can't even, it's not easy to be in that particular industry. You've got this other new industry, you know, flying cars, uh, mm-hmm. drones. It's new. We can't be making the same mistakes. So we need to, from the word go, make sure that it is an inclusive um, industry. So we've got an opportunity from the word go to be doing that. And for us, that's 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 exactly I mean we've the, what we're doing. We're training, we've trained in the past two months, I think twenty drone pilots, females, mm-hmm. and given them various skills and we're looking at one of the other things that we're looking at, which is a, a, at the moment a biggest barrier to realize that particular, you know, just decentralizing the, that uh, the model of the industry or mm-hmm. the drone industry is regulation. Right. Yeah, and the regulations are such in a way because they treat the drone industry like, like the, the, yeah, the normal flight. So in such a way, if I'm a photographer and I just want to take use the drones to improve my license. business, you need a license, which is costly. I learned right? that way because yeah. I wanted to do storytelling and, and I wanted to take like video shots like yeah. years ago. And they're like, actually, no, you need to go through CAA. CAA. And I'm like, say what? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, the, that's the Civil Aviation Authority. Yeah, so yes, yeah. Um, and so I was, I was, and I had wanted to pick up by yeah. a drone because the technology had just come out and yeah. the imaging um, was just amazing. And uh-huh. And, and then I realized this is a whole new industry. What you're highlighting for me yesterday, um, had the opportunity for attending the South African um, Investment Conference. Mm-hmm. And I sat in there and I think that this morning the tallies come through and there's over 300 billion um, rands worth of investments that mm-hmm. have been committed. And, um, and, and, and I sat back. And, 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 and listening to the conversations, mm. one of the things that came to my mind is that we've committed to maintain a status quo. Mm-hmm. Not disrupt. We haven't, we haven't committed to disrupt. disrupt the state. Yeah. And as I drove home and, and I was speaking to a friend, I said, I wish we could have a youth investment conference uh-huh. that truly brings forward innovative thinking. Yeah. Where youth are sitting back and saying... We want to change the economic landscape yeah. with new rules. Mm-hmm. 
but also with new ways of participating. Mm-hmm. So this notion, uh, I always lament that, you know, um, if you cannot tell me in 10 years' time that this particular geographic area has mm-hmm. eradicated poverty, we mm-hmm. are failing. We are. So, why are we not mm-hmm. able to transform units by mm-hmm. square kilometer if we're truly committed? Mm-hmm. Because that's what you've created if you create a sustainable ecosystem. Mm-hmm. When you are talking about how you're looking at drone technology or the aviation space, uh, I'm sitting back and saying, wow, why don't we have conferences that give us new ways of thinking mm-hmm. of the future mm-hmm. using new imagination? Mm-hmm. And when we are looking at money flowing to this space, having the right people around the table mm-hmm. to have conversations as to how to make it possible. possible yeah. You've also mentioned that you know the aviation industry, for instance, is one that has its own rules, mm-hmm. um, but so do other industries. What are the opportunities for cross-pollination? You're not just having a conversation yeah. with me about aviation. It's about economic change. change. It is mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. poverty, inequality, and unemployment. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've shown how that just one element what other areas of collaboration and engagement do you wish mm-hmm. that we could do differently that mm-hmm. could create a change? We are having conversations, but I always question myself, are we having the right conversations? Mm. There's a lot of conversations that um, that happen every year. and mm. uh, you know. But what I've noticed as well, we've got the same people at the same table the same having table. The, same, yeah, the same conversation. And if we continue doing that, we'll never have those disruptive um, ideas uh, you know, coming through. Going back with the issue of, um, you know, the drone technology and the regulations and the regulations that are there, it's something that is one of the lowest hanging fruits in South Africa that we could literally just grab like this and implement. And I think one of the biggest challenges as well, in addition to having the same people and not being able to leverage on those low hanging fruits is we write papers after papers. But what we need on the table, we need implementers. Mm. Because I think we've written a lot of papers. I think we, there's so many you know, exciting things that there's have come out. That have been yeah, that are, that are coming out. Mm. There's white paper, there's blue paper, green paper. I even mm. lost Count track of, yeah. as to which one, which one is, is relevant to what. Which one actually yes, I'm like, which one I, makes I things happen? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's, it's very important that we there's a need for different partners to start looking at the implementers of who are the implementers mm. who can shift that needle because that's what we need you can I always say you can put money um, you can go and I mean I don't know how many times where we've built something and we're not using it white elephants exactly everywhere. so money is not an issue I've always said money is not an issue mm. the issue is implementers but the issue is as well understanding the communities and what is it that they need, need. So those are the, the two things. So if you if you have people that are implementers but that are working on the ground, because you've got implementers that are, I mean, I like my office at Grand Central Airport, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I could be easily sitting there and Tiring. solving problems mm-hmm. for people and vendor. No, you need to go there and mm-hmm. be with them and understand mm-hmm. what those, you know, what those issues are. So I think those are some of the big, you know, the 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 the, the, the biggest thing. It's nice to write. I always say, you know, people like oh, went your proposal, and I'm thinking, why don't I fly with you to vendor? That's my proposal. That's the proposal. Yes, right? and then let's see. Then let's go do the work. Spend mm. spend a day with us. And because of that, sometimes the funding. I'm not saying the funding should come to me. I'm I'm talking about there are other grassroots organisations mm. that won't get the funding because perhaps they don't even know how to write a proper proposal proposal or but so those who yeah, need the change are uh, locked out again i looked at me with my mba and you a couple of times fellowships that i've done you know they do open doors don't yeah, they yeah they open doors and i can put together uh you know whatever but am i the right person to be implementing that in the community so <sighs> it requires some real introspection yes. right and deliberateness yeah. and a conscious deliberateness around where we are doing and what we're doing and why we're doing it. Well, but it's yeah. challenging us all, right? Um, so it's, there's no victim in this conversation. No, there, there isn't. And <laughs> we need to be honest, you know, about whether am I the right person? Mm. You know, I, I mean, uh, 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 you know, that privilege that we spoke about, that mm. platform, it has given me bigger platform to, again, funding. Mm. The, 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 the fellowships that I've done, you know, have given me as well platform and engagement 
that uh, you know helps my foundation going forward mm-hmm. and and the skills that I had learned there um, and, and 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 sometimes I wished like how do I put it um, the implementers get to be given a more of that platform, that platform. than you know than I have get to do those fellowships but yeah. sometimes most of them can't write a proper essay to actually be able to uh, communicate communicate because nowadays English like it is a we we put it there like yeah. it's, it's like next to MBA it's true. Yeah. Right? that level of inclusivity in the spaces that we curate yeah and 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 I guess yeah. taking a leaf from you when we have platform using the power of that platform to get mm. more people mm. having to, access yeah implementers implementers to so you yeah. need to be if you're given platform you need to sh- you need to sp- shine the spotlight on the implementers yeah so that they too get access to these spaces, right? Because yeah. I love the statement, we're not always the right people. Mm. But if the doors are open to us, how do we leverage that so that the right people do legitimately mm. get to also participate in that space? Mm. Beautiful reflections. As the storytellers, let us continue to share these stories. Thank mm-hmm. you so much, Rufilo, for joining us. Do you have any last words for our listeners in terms of, you know, what they can do with you, how to engage you? Um, and if people want to contact you, what should they be doing to get a hold mm-hmm. of you or the foundation? Yeah. No, I just want to thank you as well for the platform to tell our other stories that are not necessarily out there. And I think it's liberating to be sharing, you know, um, um, such a story. We love story. I love storytelling. Oh, I you could know, do this all yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, and yeah. So in terms of um, you know people contacting us, we are based at Grand Central Airport. So our offices are there, but we hardly there because our work is in the in the, ru- in the rural area and in the area as well. <laughs> but we mostly you know we mm. out working on the field. Mm. But they can yeah they can pop in anytime. It's an open door policy. You don't need to make um, an appointment. They'll always somebody be there. Um, you can engage us on, on our website, um, www.gfpafoundation.org. We are on social media, although we know most of our stakeholders are not on social media, but we right. do put some stuff there on social media as well, especially when we've got um, you know, some um, programs that we do, we normally do put them uh, on social media. Right. And we, we absolutely love working with schools because mm-hmm. it makes it easier for us to work in a, in that particular environment um so if there are schools that are very interested in our programs they can mm. please contact us um none of our programs any people don't pay for our programs because there's a reason why we don't charge for our programs because obviously of the demographic that we are mm. targeting and the you know the young people that we are we are targeting as well so they can get in touch with us there I love that. So yeah. if you're a teacher, a community member, yeah. or you remember your community, rural community, and you would like a pilot to land there to ignite the imagination yeah. of the young ones, please do get hold of Rifidwe. This is Abakotli, a podcast about the storytellers brought to you by Womanomics Africa and the U.S. State Department. It is recorded at the American Corner at Eskiampahlele Library at Samimalk Square in Pretoria. The American Corner is a partnership between the city of Twani and the U.S. Embassy. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you.